Hi everyone, I'd like to welcome you to the Austrian Circle. This is the program where we talk about the economics of freedom, here on WHS Stores 91.7 FM. So thank you very much for tuning into my show this morning. I'm your host, Racker, and we are going to be talking a little bit about what is libertarianism on the show today. Uh, this has been in debate on the interwebs lately, um, and I thought that you would benefit from it because it really goes to the core of what libertarianism actually is and what I'm trying to explain on this show. So I thought that I could take a stab at defining what libertarianism is first, and then we could get on to some articles where they have been debating what libertarianism actually means. And uh, so to me, libertarianism means the non-aggression or non-initiation of force and coercion against other people. Uh, and this necessarily implies property rights, because uh, if there's no property rights, there's no force, there's no violence, right? So if I don't own my body, then anyone can just come up to me and say, uh, you owe me your organs, or, you know, I can just kill you, or I can just make you do whatever you want, whatever I want to you. You know, you're, you're my slave because you don't own yourself, and uh, there's no property, but you know, them claiming ownership of property over me, but I can't claim ownership of property over myself is a inherent contradiction. So property really exists. Uh, there's no real way to get rid of it because either someone is claiming property rights over me or I am claiming property rights over me. And so when we're talking about violence, that means that one other person is threatening another person with physical harm should they not obey or should they do something that the first party doesn't like? Uh, maybe the first party wants the second party to turn over their wallet to the first party. And uh, should they not do that, they will be shot. Uh, this is an initiation of force. This is the violation of the non-aggression principle that libertarians so espouse. And we understand this in our normal lives. I mean, we recognize that when a husband uh, beats his wife or vice versa, that that is the initiation of force and that she is in an abusive relationship. She um, is in a situation where harm is befalling her. Physical violence is being threatened against her should she not obey obey the whims of her husband. And people understand that, and, and people understand that in society, you don't go to the gas station and point a gun at the clerk, you actually go in and you trade, you, you give them money in exchange, and they voluntarily agree to give you the gas, you voluntarily agree to give them the money, and everybody's in agreement in that situation. There's no force involved. There's no coercion involved. Um, but people have a very big problem when we start to apply this universally and necessarily to the government. Uh, the government initiates force almost uh, entirely. I mean, that's exactly what it does. When it passes a law, it is initiating force against anyone who does not obey that particular law. Uh, an example would be the minimum wage. Um, when the government passes a minimum wage, not only is it a price control, which has certain economic problems that come along with that, but it is also the initiation of force. Any employer who decides to offer a price below that minimum wage, or more importantly, any employee who decides that they want to be hired for below that minimum wage. Uh, you know, you can think of people who are just getting out of high school, people that are maybe less inclined towards ability or skill than other people. You know, maybe they would want to be hired at a lower rate at the beginning so that they can learn a skill and then become more marketable as their uh, skills increase. But when the government passes a minimum wage, they are saying, we are going to initiate force against anyone 
who violates this law. And by initiate force, they mean they will take you and they will put you in a jail cell. Now, of course, it doesn't immediately start like that. They usually come in and they say, well, you know, you can't hire someone below the minimum wage. And so therefore you have to, you know, come into court or something like that. But ultimately, they are threatening jail sentences against anyone who violates that particular law. And this is an initiation of force against peaceful people who would otherwise um, uh, trade and voluntarily agree to different circumstances uh, based on their own self-gain and self-benefit. Uh, some other quick examples just to explain a little bit more about this. Uh, sanctions are an initiation of violence against companies who would otherwise do trade within a particular territory. So when the government put sanctions on Iraq um, during the 1990s and 2000s, then we saw that companies that would have otherwise traded with people, brought in medication, brought in food and all of the things that the people in Iraq needed, they were barred from doing so because of a threat of force by the government. Um, another example is uh, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, welfare, all of these um, social programs are the initiation of force. If you do not pay into that system, then you will be uh, attacked. You will be brought to a prison or jail cell, ultimately. Um, again, they, they might send you some letters first. They might say, hey, maybe you forgot. Uh, maybe you should pay your taxes, and you know, then we aren't going to cart you off to jail. But ultimately, the threat of violence is there. The aggression is there. So you see, this initiation of force is all over the place. Whenever somebody says there ought to be a law, what they're saying is that the government ought to use violence against any person who does not obey what it is that I want them to obey. So be very careful when you call for laws because libertarianism judges the law not on whether or not the government passes the law, but whether or not it adheres to the non-aggression principle. So the first person I want to turn to for a definition of libertarianism is Dr. Walter Block, and he wrote this in the introduction of his Defending the Undefendable book, which is a bit of an older book, but um, I think he really nailed what libertarianism actually is in this introduction. So I'll begin. This is Dr. Walter Block. The basic premise of the libertarian philosophy is that it is illegitimate to engage in aggression against non-aggressors. What is meant by aggression is not assertiveness, argumentativeness, competitiveness, adventurousness, quarrelsomeness, or antagonism. What is meant by aggression is the use of violence, such as that which takes place in murder, rape, robbery, or kidnapping. Libertarianism does not imply pacifism. It does not forbid the use of violence in defense or even in retaliation against violence. Libertarian philosophy condemns only the initiation of violence, the use of violence against a nonviolent person or his property. There is nothing untoward or controversial about such a view. Most people would give it their wholehearted support. Indeed, this sentiment is part and parcel of our Western civilization, enshrined in the law, in our constitution, and in the natural law. The uniqueness of libertarianism is not found in the statement of its basic principle, but in the rigorously consistent, even maniacal manner with which the principle is applied. For example, most people do not see any contradiction between this principle and our system of taxation. Libertarians do. Taxation is contrary to the basic principle because it involves aggression against non-aggressive citizens who refuse to pay. It makes not the slightest difference that the government offers goods and services in return for the tax money. 
What is important is that the so-called trade, tax money for government services, is coerced. The individual is not free to reject the offer, nor does the fact that a majority of the citizens support this coercive taxation make any difference. The initiation of aggression, even when endorsed by the majority, is not legitimate. Libertarianism condemns it in this area as it condemns it wherever it occurs. Another difference between the beliefs of libertarians and the beliefs of other members of society is the averse of the view that the initiation of violence is evil. Libertarians maintain that as far as political theory is concerned, anything which does not involve the initiation of violence is not evil, and that as far as political theory is concerned, anything which does not involve the initiation of violence is not a punishable evil and should not be outlawed. And this is the basis for the first part of my argument. The so-called villains in this book are not villains at all, in this sense because they do not initiate violence against non-aggressors. So I think that's a pretty good start. That's Dr. Walter Block from his book, Defending the Undefendable. And again, he's concerned with the initiation of violence, not the reaction to violence. Uh, so when somebody's coming at you with a chainsaw and they are coming to attack you, you of course can defend yourself because it is not you who is initiating violence in that case, but rather the other person. The, the person coming at you with the chainsaw is the one who's initiating violence. And so with libertarianism, we really have to trace back to where property originated from. Did it originate from coercion or did it originate from homesteading and uh, appropriation based on voluntary trade and voluntary agreement and individual action and not coercive action? So the next article I want to read is by Lawrence M. Vance. It is called I Am a Libertarian. I am a libertarian. I am not Democrat or Republican. I am not liberal or conservative. I am not left or right. I am not moderate or progressive. I am not a big L libertarian. I am not a fusionist. I am not a constitutionalist. I am a libertarian. I am not thin or thick. I am not brutalist or humanitarian. I am not holist or solipsist. I am not a moralist or a consequentialist. I am not open or closed. I am not a modal, cosmopolitan, cultural, regime, sophisticated, or beltway libertarian. I do not have a bleeding heart. I am not a neo, second wave, or millennial libertarian. I am a plain old libertarian, one who needs no labels, issues no caveats, and makes no apologies. I am a libertarian. Libertarianism is a political philosophy concerned with the permissible use of force or violence. It is not a political philosophy that says limited government is the best kind of government. It is not a political philosophy that is socially liberal and economically conservative. It is not a political philosophy that says government is less efficient than the private sector. It is not a political philosophy that says freedom can be achieved by promoting some government policies over others. It is not a political philosophy that is low-tax liberalism. Libertarianism is not the absence of racism, sexism, homophosism, uh, xenophobism, nationalism, nativism, classism, authoritarianism, patriarchy, inequality, or hierarchy. Libertarianism is not diversity or activism. Libertarianism is not egalitarianism. Libertarianism is not toleration or respect. Libertarianism is not a social attitude, lifestyle, or aesthetic sensibility. 
I am a libertarian. I subscribe to the non-aggression principle that says, in the words of Murray Rothbard, quote, the only proper role of violence is to defend person and property against violence, that any use of violence that goes beyond such just defense is itself aggressive, unjust, and criminal. Libertarianism, therefore, is a theory which states that everyone should be free of violent invasion, should be free to do as he sees fit, except invade the person or property of another. I am concerned with actions. I am not concerned with thoughts. I am concerned only with the negative consequences of thoughts. I believe that the non-aggression principle extends to government. Libertarians should therefore oppose or otherwise seek to limit the domestic and foreign meddling and intervention of governments, which are the greatest violators of the non-aggression principle. I am a libertarian. I believe in the golden rule. I believe in live and let live. I believe that a person should be free to do anything that he wants, as long as his conduct is peaceful. I believe that vices are not crimes. I am a libertarian. Our enemy is the state. Our enemy is not religion, corporations, institutions, foundations, or organizations. These only have power to do us harm because of their connection with the state. And since war is the health of the state, the state's military, wars, and foreign interventions must be opposed, root and branch. I am a libertarian. I believe in laissez-faire. Anyone should be free to engage in any economic activity without license, permission, prohibition, or interference from the state. The government should not intervene in the economy in any way. Free trade agreements, educational vouchers, privatizing social security, etc. are not the least bit libertarian ideas. I am a libertarian. The best government is no government. That government that governs least is the next best government. Government, as Voltaire said, is its best state a necessary evil, and at its worst state an intolerable one. The best thing any government could do would be to simply leave us alone. I am a libertarian. Taxation is government theft. The government doesn't have a claim to a certain percentage of one's income. The tax code doesn't need to be simplified, shortened, fairer, or less intrusive. The tax rates don't need to be made lower, flatter, fairer, equal, or less progressive. The income tax doesn't need more or larger deductions, loopholes, shelters, credits, or exemptions. The whole rotten system needs to be abolished. People have the right to keep what they earn and decide for themselves what to do with their money. Spend it, waste it, squander it, donate it, bequeath it, hoard it, invest it, burn it, or gamble it. I am a libertarian. I am not a libertine. I am not a hedonist. I am not a moral relativist. I am not a devotee of some alternative lifestyle. I am not a revolutionary. I am not a nihilist. I neither wish to associate nor aggress against those who are. I believe in the absolute freedom of association and discrimination. I am a libertarian. That article was by Lawrence M. Vance, and again, this is in the strain of kind of defining what libertarianism actually is. This has been of great debate in the circles online lately. Um, so the next article I would like to read is by Lou Rockwell. You can find it on lourockwell.com. It is called The Future of Libertarianism. Marxists were notorious for infighting over the most trivial differences. One group would secede from another, reverse the word order of the group it had seceded from, and declare itself the new and pure group. 
The first group, the new group would declare to the world, was part of the fascist conspiracy to suppress the coming workers' triumph, even though the differences between the two groups were completely undetectable, even to an expert. An informal debate taking place among libertarians these days regarding whether people ought to be thick or thin libertarians is of a different character. It strikes at the very heart of what libertarianism is. The thin libertarian believes in the non-aggression principle, that one may not initiate physical force against anyone else. The thin libertarian thinks of himself simply as a libertarian without labels. Most thick libertarians likewise believe in the non-aggression principle, but they believe that for the struggle for liberty to be coherent, libertarians must be committed to a slate of other views as well. Before I proceed, let me anticipate an objection. Shouldn't I spend my time attacking the state instead of criticizing other libertarians? For one thing, look around at this website. It's a veritable treasure trove of articles on every subject under the sun. Over the years at lewrockwell.com, we have left no stone unturned in exposing the evils and lies of the state and building up the libertarian alternative. As a matter of fact, I have a new book on the verge of release that continues in that tradition, Against the State, an anarcho-capitalist manifesto. Secondly, there's nothing wrong with what some people disparage as infighting. A respectful exchange of ideas is how a school of thought develops. And I agree with Tom Woods. It is not true, as many allege, that libertarians are uniquely prone to arguments among themselves. Just observe the Democrats, the Republicans, your homeowners association, Catholics, Protestants, Muslims, or, for that matter, just about anyone. Proponents of a thick libertarianism suggest that libertarians are bound to defend something more than the non-aggression principle, and that libertarianism involves commitments beyond just this. One such proponent recently said, quote, I continue to have trouble believing that the libertarian philosophy is concerned only with the proper and improper uses of force. But no matter how difficult it may be for that person to believe, that is precisely what libertarianism is, and that is all that it is. As Murray Rothbard, Mr. Libertarian himself, once explained, quote, there are libertarians who are indeed hedonists and devotees of alternative lifestyles, and that there are also libertarians who are firm adherents of bourgeois, conventional, or religious morality. There are libertarian libertines, and there are libertarians who cleave firmly to the disciplines of natural or religious law. There are other libertarians who have no moral theory at all, apart from the imperative of non-violation of rights. That is because libertarianism, per se, has no general or personal moral theory. Libertarianism does not offer a way of life. It offers liberty, so that each person is free to adopt and act upon his own values and moral principles. Libertarians agree with Lord Acton that, quote, liberty is the highest political end, not necessarily the highest end on everyone's personal scale of values. We have been told by some libertarians in recent months that yes, yes, libertarianism is about non-aggression and private property and all that, but that it is really part of a larger project to oppose to all forms of oppression, whether state-imposed or not. This has two implications for the thick libertarian. First, opposing the state is not enough. A real libertarian must oppose various other forms of oppression, even though none of them involve physical aggression. 
Second, libertarianism should be supported because the reduction or abolition of the state will yield other kinds of, of outcomes many thick libertarians support. Smaller firms, more workers, cooperatives, more economic equality, etc. Let's evaluate these implications one at a time. To claim that it is not enough for the libertarian to oppose aggression is to fall into the trap that destroyed classical liberalism the first time and transformed it into modern liberalism. How, after all, did the classical liberalism of the 18th and 19th centuries become the state-obsessed liberalism of the 20th and 21st centuries? How did the once venerable word liberalism become perverted in the first place? Precisely because of thick-ism. Sure, 20th century liberals said we favor liberty, but since mere negative liberty, that is restrictions on the state, doesn't appear to yield a sufficiently egalitarian result, we need more than that. In addition to restrictions on some state activity, we need the expansion of other forms of state activity. After all, the new liberals said, state oppression isn't the only form of oppression in the world. There's poverty, which limits people's ability to make life choices. There's private property, whose restrictions limit people's ability to express themselves. There's discrimination, which limits people's opportunities. There's name-calling, which makes people feel bad. To focus entirely on the state is to miss these very real forms of harm, the new liberals said. Sound familiar? Is this not precisely what many thick libertarians are now saying? Attacking the state is not enough, we hear. We must attack patriarchy, hierarchy, uh, inequality, and so on. Thick libertarians may disagree among themselves as to what additional commitments libertarianism entails, but they are all agreed that libertarianism cannot simply be dedicated to eradicating the initiation of physical force. If some libertarians wish to hope for or work toward a society that conforms to their ideological preferences, they are of course free to do so. But it is wrong for them, especially given their insistence on a big tent within libertarianism, to impose on other libertarians whatever idiosyncratic spin they happen to have placed on our venerable tradition, to imply that people who do not share these other ideologies can't be real libertarians, or to su suggest that it would be highly unlikely that anyone who fails to hold them could really be a libertarian. That these are the same people who complain about intolerance is only the most glaring of ironies. Thus, the danger of thick libertarianism is not simply that vast chunks of the American population will fail to pass its entrance requirements, not keeping up every ten minutes with what MSNBC informs us is acceptable to believe and say. The danger is that thick libertarianism will import its other concerns, which by their own admission do not involve the initiation of physical force, into libertarianism itself, thereby transforming it into something quite different from the straightforward and elegant moral and social system we have been defending for generations. Now, for the second implication. That opposition to the state should be favored because it will yield egalitarian outcomes. Of course, the abolition of the state will necessarily increase the level of egalitarianism from the point of view of status. The inequality of status between state officials, on the one hand, who today may carry out all kinds of moral outrages with the legitimacy of the state to support them, and ordinary people who are constrained by the traditional moral rules against theft and aggression, on the other, will no longer exist when the state disappears. But what if it doesn't? 
The claim that firms will tend to be smaller on the free market and that government policy encourages bigness in business is far too sweeping a statement about far too complex a phenomenon. What if the absence of the state leads to no change in firm size or in the employer-employee relationship or in wealth inequality? At that point, the question would become, to which principle are thick libertarians more committed, non-aggression or egalitarianism? What if they had to choose? Likewise, the hatred of some classical liberals for the church motivated them to confiscate church property and impose restrictions on various kinds of church activity. When it came down to a choice between their belief in liberty and their personal hatred for the church, their personal hatred won the day, and their supposedly principled opposition to violence was temporarily suspended. How people arrive at libertarianism is also immaterial. There are various schools of thought that culminate in the principle of non-aggression. Once there, we may of course debate what precisely constitutes aggression in particular cases, and other foundational questions within the general framework of the impermissibility of aggression. But if the school of thought you belong to takes you only partly towards non-aggression, it is not the case that you have discovered a new or better form of libertarianism. Such a case would mean only that you are partly a libertarian, not a different kind of libertarian. Whether it's the claim that self-defense laws are racist, that Bitcoin is racist, or that libertarians ought to throw off white privilege, all of which have been advanced by libertarians claiming to have m moved beyond our alleged fixation with the non-aggression principle, the various forms of thick libertarianism are confusing the core teaching of what we believe. None of these concerns have the slightest bit to do with libertarianism. All of these additional claims are a distraction from the central principle. If you oppose the initiation of physical force, you are a libertarian, period. Uh, that article was by Lou Rockwell. It's posted on lourockwell.com. It's called The Future of Libertarianism. And uh, it really speaks to the debate that we're having right now with um, what is the initiation of force. And uh, people who say that discrimination is the initiation of force, well, I mean, those people really aren't initiating violence against uh, uh, peaceful people. What they are doing is just saying, I do not want to interact with you anymore. So when you choose a friend, when you decide to patronize a particular business, you're discriminating against all the other friends that you could have and all the other businesses that you could have eaten at. When you are picking a wife um, or a husband out of the crowd of the marketable people who you might be involved in a partnership with for the rest of your life, you are discriminating against all the other people. Does that mean that you're initiating violence? against everyone else who you chose not to have a relationship with? No, of course not. I mean, you're just deciding, you're picking, you're choosing, you're analyzing your economic choices. And in the same way, when an employer decides that he doesn't want to hire somebody who wears a bow tie or has a particular skin color, he's not initiating violence against them. He is just deciding based on his own preferences who it is that he wants to hire to be at his particular business. And we do know that from studying free markets and economics that those who discriminate against people who are skillful, you know, not choosing them based on their skill and their ability and their workmanship, then and instead because of some aesthetic preference or some base kind of instinct, I don't like redheads, I don't like females, I don't like, you know, whatever group that you want to include there. 
then he will be penalized in the market because another company is going to hire all the skilled workers within that group that that employer has discarded as unemployable. And his competitor will do better because they can hire them at a lower rate or they can hire them and get higher quality work at the same rate that the other employer would have hired them for. And uh, so there's a lot of penalties in the market against discrimination that we know will be handled absent the coercive elements of the state. Uh, the whole reason that there's so few jobs in the world today is because of the state and the heavy-handed laws that are passed in order to supposedly bring about egalitarianism and equality and all of the stuff that people talk about, but in fact we see wealth being centralized and consolidated in the hands of the few, whereas the masses are getting poorer every single day. And this is all because of the coercive elements of the government initiating force against peaceful people. So I thank you very much for tuning into my show this afternoon. Hopefully this cleared up a little bit uh, if you were wondering what libertarianism actually is. Um, and stay tuned to my show more often. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that that will become more apparent as to what it is that libertarianism is espousing. We're talking about the non-initiation of force. We do not threaten other people with physical violence. So thank you very much for tuning into the show. I hope that you tune in next week for another episode at 11 o'clock a.m. on Tuesday. Take care.